From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, July 26th. Photojournalist Luis Cinco has worked at the Los Angeles Times for over two decades. During his career, he's contributed to Pulitzer Prize-winning projects and reported on everything from earthquakes to war and wildfire. And recently, he got to talking with his adult children. And I was just talking to them over like dinner or something about what they knew about where water comes from and what they know about the Colorado River. Turns out, not much, which stunned him. He describes his kids as pretty well-educated. But they, like lots of Westerners who live in the Colorado River Basin, did not make the connection about how this water body supports them in their daily lives. My kids are pretty smart, and them having very limited knowledge about it, I thought, you know, maybe now is the time to give people like a refresher course on on this river. He gave himself an assignment. In between regular projects with the LA Times, he traveled the length of the river to photograph it. The story it tells is a stark one, a snapshot of not just the river and its reservoirs, but the people and the communities it supported, from its headwaters in Colorado to its delta in Mexico. Today, we speak with Cinco about his project called The Colorado River, Where the West Quenches Its Thirst. You know, your photos capture nature, landscape, wildlife, um, but they also capture people. People are part of this story of the Colorado River, and I'm curious on why this was important to you to include humans in this piece. 40 million people depend on the river, right? I think you needed to include that and try to put it in the context of this very wild, natural, and often delicate place. I mean, this is what I saw all along the river is this just tremendous development. You know, Arizona in particular, Las Vegas, places in the Imperial Valley that are being turned into subdivisions. It's exploded. Even Denver. I mean, I went up to Denver. I hadn't been to Denver in probably about 15 or more years. And it's a much bigger city now, especially east of Denver, you know, on the plains where these neighborhoods are are just popping up like mushrooms. Where's all this water going to come from? The West is getting aridified. It's getting hotter. It's getting drier due to climate change. And You know, it just gets worse. Climate change basically feeds on itself. And I don't know, I think that's something that we've got to really start thinking about very soon. You know, one of the things that can kind of get tossed aside in reporting on the Colorado River is Mexico. You know, we're always talking about the seven states and the federal government and how these states are going to deal with cutbacks and what the federal government is going to do if the states don't have cutbacks. Like, that's kind of the conversation right now. But Mexico is a part of this. And you went to Mexico. Can you tell us about your experience reporting there? Well, the Delta is almost completely decimated. The uh, river rarely if ever makes it to the sea anymore and the ecology down there has come completely altered. So yeah, we use up a lot of water north of the border. And I believe like the latest amendment to the Colorado River Pact calls for cutbacks to Mexico in times of drought. 
And so Mexico has just never really gotten a lot of water. I think they only get about 30% of their allotment. I think it affects people south of the border tremendously. It's a very good example of what happens when the water gets cut off. The environment just completely dies and people struggle to live in a different environment than they once knew. It's bad. It's bad in Mexico. What role do you think photojournalism can play in educating people or generating awareness around issues like what's happening on the Colorado River? It plays a more important role than ever because everybody is tuned into visuals now, right? Like Instagram's a big deal and pictures and videos just appeal to a lot of people now. I mean, much more so, I think, than reading. So I think if you present things, you know, visually, I think you're able to pull people in. And then when you pull them in and they actually start reading some of the copy, then they actually learn something and understand something. Again, I'm not an expert on this river. What I basically documented is what I saw. Mm -hmm. And I specifically did not want to go to any super special places that like the public has no access to. What I tried to do here is just go to places where you or anybody else can go and see for themselves what's going on. Again, I think where it's very effective is that you're visually showing what's happening. The subject matter was just so beautiful. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be that hard to pull people into the story because people would just see like that opening shot of the blue Grand Canyon, you know, at dusk. And I think that would have pulled people right into it. And then as you saw more of the photos and read more of the copy, I just wanted to make this just plain as day. And if you look at the pictures, I think they speak for themselves. And I really don't need to say that much. I think there's just something about doing a visual here and now um, that is really helpful, not only understanding the basin, um, but understanding what persistent drought, what climate change, what development is doing to it. Because uh, I talked to our environmental reporters, I could not get a reporter on this story for more than a year. They think that this is just kind of like some fluffy piece that like, you know, okay, go ahead. You're the photographer. Go ahead and do this, right? But I think that sometimes environmental reporters get too caught up in their esoterica and their knowledge. And that sometimes isn't easy to convey. We're talking about very complex things working together to cause what's happening. And like I said, I just tried to find like some very simple way to just show it. Did you have any impressions about um, what you call the Canyonlands region um, while you were reporting here? That's Moab and our surrounding region. Oh, my God. It's just uh, the entire length of the Colorado River is pretty spectacular, even in the more mundane areas like the Imperial Valley, even the Delta where it's dried up. It's got stunning landscapes. It's just incredible. And if you could just imagine what it would be like if the river was healthy and free and running at its full capacity. But yeah, the Canyonlands is pretty stunning, right? I mean, I particularly enjoyed photographing Utah and the Grand Canyon. That's just spectacular. Have you gotten feedback on this project? And if so, you know, what type of feedback? Yeah, it's gotten a lot of feedback. Most of it pretty positive. A lot of people are shocked too, that they hadn't been keeping up on it as closely as they should have. Uh, the LA Times, the rest of the year, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff about water and probably a lot more stuff about the Colorado River. 
photojournalist Luis Cinco. You can find a link to his L.A. Times project, The Colorado River, Where the West Quenches Its Thirst, in the show notes of today's news. Speaking of the Colorado River, states in the upper basin aren't ready to commit to federal water conservation targets. In a letter to the Bureau of Reclamation, officials from Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, and New Mexico say they're already dealing with water shortages due to climate change. Colorado Water Conservation Board Director Becky Mitchell says the focus should be on how to conserve water in Arizona, California, and Nevada. The effectiveness will be limited dependent on what comes out of the lower basin and and their plan moving forward. So we're looking forward to seeing that. The letter argues Congress should reauthorize a water conservation pilot program first tested in 2014. The Colorado River's biggest reservoirs are at record lows. Federal officials are calling for an unprecedented amount of water cutbacks among the states. The deadline for states to commit to those targets is next month. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, July 26th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.